Hello and welcome to Linux Reality. This is episode 64. And in this episode, we're going to wrap up our discussion of home servers. This is going to be home servers part 10. And I think it's been a very successful series. I've gotten a lot of feedback on it. I think people have really appreciated it and uh, hope that you have. And, and uh, we've got some, some feedback from, from people on how they use different servers. So I think that'll be a lot of fun to listen to. And I did have a few things I wanted to mention up front here. First of all, about Gizmo. I've now been testing it for a week or two, and it seems to be working really well. I've gotten several voicemails through that, and the Gizmo username is Linux Reality. There's also a SIP number, and I've put that on the new contact page. If you go to linuxreality.com slash contact, there's all the contact information there, and the SIP number is there as well. So if you use some other SIP service, I think you can just connect to it that way. But there's also a call-in number, and you can use any phone to call this number, and it's one two zero two five five two one five two five. And there's also the other, the older uh, voicemail number as well. And all that information is on linuxreality.com slash contact. So please call me and uh, leave a voicemail and send in your feedback. I look forward to receiving it. I also wanted to sort of, again, remind everyone to send me in your audio comments on how you use different servers. I've got a couple so far, and I am going to go ahead and play them in this episode, but I'd really like to get some more, so feel free to keep sending those in. Um, And also feel free to send in, either by email or voicemail, uh, your ideas on on interview, uh, you know, people to interview. I've gotten several people that have responded to that already, and I'm trying to get some things lined up, so I think that'll be very cool. But just as a reminder, what I'm looking for is I'd really like to interview people, just users, uh, whether people who use Linux at home or in the workplace, but probably more the workplace, because I'd really like to hear how people are using Linux and, uh, you know, whether it's in this, in a school system, in an office or part of your business or something or at home. But I mean, I, I'd, I'd love to get ideas and hear, hear from people, talk to people sort of in, in, in a, you know, interview setting on how they, how they use Linux and how it has helped them, what kind of challenges they face. I think it would be very interesting and helpful to other people who are considering migrating to Linux either at home or in the workplace you know, to hear sort of real live uh, stories from, from people on the challenges they faced and what's been good, what's been bad, that sort of thing. So uh, feel free to, you know, send me in your ideas on people to interview, whether it's yourself. And if you'd like to propose something, just send me an email. Or if you know of somebody that you think might be a good uh, person to touch base with, let me know that as well. Two other things I wanted to mention up front here. Uh, one of our listeners, his name is Brad, and he's got a website called anytimegeek.com. And he contacted me a few months ago, and, and I've helped him test something. It's very cool. It's a, he's basically set up a service to provide, uh, to provide uh, help to Linux users. And the idea is that you download a single little client application. It, it, I think he uses VNC, and he's, but he's tweaked it. He's got it sort of encrypted, and it's supposed to be just a simple installation. And the person who's running, you know, who, who is seeking assistance doesn't need to know how to set up VNC. It does sort of nat traversal, I guess, and he's got it all, you know, like I said, encrypted, and, and it's very cool. It works really well. You basically just download this little package, install it, and then you can connect to his service and, you know, when someone's online or whatever, and they can then view the desktop and sort of guide you through uh, how to do whatever it is you need help with. So uh, very cool. Go to anytimegeek.com. He's, he's got this all set up, and I think he's ready to roll with it, and it looks very cool. So um, I, I wish him the best of luck, and feel free to touch base with him and, and try it out. And then the last thing I want to mention up front here, uh, one, another one of our listeners, Tux Playmate, was kind enough to set up a, a uh, IRC channel. And it's on irc.freedno.net, and it's just pound Linux reality 
or hash Linux reality, I should say, for our UK listeners. Uh, it's not the British pound symbol, of course, but we call it pound. But it's you know pa- uh, uh, hash Linux reality, and that's on irc.freednode.net. So feel free to drop in. I've dropped in a few times, and I think it'll be a lot of fun. And uh, so please do check that out. And with that, let's get to the main segment, which is going to be sort of a wrap-up on servers. Okay, well, before I get to uh, the audio comments I've received about how people use different servers, I wanted to sort of wrap this up by talking about a few other subjects, just sort of very high level, some other ideas, if you will, for home servers. The first one is, you know, you can look into setting up a WebDAV server, and I've got this set up, actually. Uh, WebDAV is a, it's a way to, um, it basically uses a web server, and it makes a file or directory available, and it can be publicly available, or it can, you know, you can password it or whatever, but people can connect to it and then make changes to files or, uh, you know, share stuff and share data, share files and that sort of thing. It's, it's commonly used for the iCal calendar, which is .ics, which is sort of the file uh, extension for uh, iCal-compatible calendars. And that's what I've got it set up with. I'm using Mozilla Sunbird, which is Mozilla's uh, calendar little program. It kind of goes with Firefox and Thunderbird. And, you you know, it uses the ICS or the iCal calendar web dev uh, protocol. So I've got a little test calendar on my little web dev server and I'm using, I'm, I'm actually using Lighty as the web server. I'm doing this on my, on my slug, on my Linksys NSLU2, which is that little appliance I keep mentioning. Uh, and I've got it set up on that and I've got a, a port, you know, forwarded through. I don't have it set up on port 80. I have a custom port and uh, it's just, you know, I've got my little calendar on there. And when I use Sunbird at work, I can access my little iCal uh, compatible calendar. And it also you can access it from from uh, the Macintosh iCal program. But what's really bizarre to me is that the Apple iCal program, because I've done it on our Mac here at home, I can, you know, access that calendar, but I can't make changes. For some reason, Apple's calendar program is, I don't know if I want to say it's crippled, but it's it's set up so you can't make you can only subscribe to calendars. You can make changes to calendars that you create locally and I think you can share those, but for outside calendars that you access you can't modify them. So that's kind of a bummer for people who are Mac users. But uh so anyway, that's one idea. Look into WebDAV and you would need to set up either Apache or Lighty, which is that other web server I talked about. I'm using Lighty and I really like it. It's a really, really cool little uh web server. Uh much easier to configure because it's really all one configuration file. And uh, but it's a little bit different in you know how the configuration file is laid out than Apache. I'm just used to Apache. Uh, so anyway, so Lighty or Apache using WebDAV is is you know one idea for another home server. Uh, another one which I have not done anything with is sort of home um, uh, home automation or webcams or you know nanny cams. I've gotten a few uh, emails from people who said they're using IP cameras uh, and using sort of a sort of a web service to monitor something. These folks are monitoring horses, but uh, there's a project out there and the name is now escaping me, but the guys on the Linux link tech show interviewed this, this guy about a month or two ago, and he has created a, a free open source uh, project, which is uh, lets you sort of set up and monitor cameras through a web interface. So that's kind of cool. Another, another idea, which I have set up is of course, myth TV. I've mentioned it from time to time. 
there's Nop Myth, which is a distribution based on Myth TV. It's it's Debian, and it's all configured to sort of set up Myth TV. And I've had some success with it in the past, but then I've had some issues with it. So I have used on my Myth TV box. I've used Ubuntu. I've used Dapper Drake. I think it was Dapper, and just because that's the long-term support one, and I've got Myth TV set up with that. Now, there's a lot of good how-tos in the Ubuntu wiki on how to set up Myth TV, and they're pretty much, you know, correct. I have had to make some manual configurations here and there, uh, but it 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 does work really well. And uh, once you get that set up, I mean, that's that's a very cool Myth TV is just a, a it's just an interesting project in and of itself. I think uh, it's. You know, it, it's a kind of a pain to set up and configure, but I think once you get it, it seems to work pretty well. Another idea that I have not touched at all, but a lot of people have mentioned to me, is the idea of content filtering. If you've got kids at home, you can set up a service uh, like uh, Dan's Guardian to serve as sort of a proxy server and and do content filtering on you know the requests that go out for stuff off the internet. Uh, another idea which I have played around with is setting up a VPN server using OpenVPN. Uh, I've actually done this with OpenBSD, but you can do it with Linux or any kind of BSD or whatever. But uh, OpenVPN is a is a, a VPN package, and the the uh, how to on the VP on the OpenVPN website is uh, pretty straightforward. I mean, you really need to read it a few times and kind of understand. But essentially, you're going to set up a, an OpenVPN server that's you know you'll have a port forward or something like that to connect to. And it will be listening on a port for VPN connections, and then you set up uh, a, you know, an open VPN client, and you've got to set up certificates. And that's where it gets a little tricky. You've got to set up certificates on the server, and you've got to copy some to the client because they need to sort of match, I guess. That way, you know, it's it's you know only the clients that have these certificates can connect to the open VPN server. But and then you've got to do some stuff with your with your with your LAN, and it's using bridging. Basically, the clients that connect from the outside then become, you know, sort of a member of the LAN from outside. Kind of like, you know, I'm sure a lot of people use VPN at the office. Same idea. Once you've got the VPN connection, you're basically doing all of your networking through that tunnel and including your web surfing and everything. And it works really well, but um, that's kind of cool to set up. Another idea that a few people have mentioned to me that I sort of have set up on my own is a some sort of server to, to sort of mirror a distribution's repositories, or you don't have to mirror them. You can just proxy the packages you install. Let me explain what I mean. Uh, obviously, if you set up Debian or Ubuntu or you know Fedora, there's these you know repositories that are out there where you set them up in your you know whatever the configuration file is. In Debian, it's slash etsy slash apt slash sources dot list. And there'll be mirrors in there, you know, um, where it will go to download all the packages. Well, one thing you can do is you can set up a, a mirror of a of a repository and have your own full fledged, you know, repository at home. Now, uh, and you can do this with lots of different distributions: Mandriva, Fedora, Debian, Ubuntu. You can do it with with a lot of them. I've got it. I, I used to do it with Arch Linux as well. You know, the the advantage there is, of course, you've got the full distribution and all of its packages locally, and uh, you can. You know that's pretty cool in and of itself, but the pro- obviously the downside is it's big. I mean, I think to mirror Ubuntu or Debian, it's twenty or thirty gigs at least. That's just for really one architecture and one you know release, if you will. Um, Arch Linux, I think, is thirteen gigs, if I recall correctly. So it takes up a lot of space. Uh, so an alternative to, to that is to set and there's different packages to do this, but you can set up a server to act as a 
as a proxy or as a caching server for packages that you download. And this is what I actually do for my Debian machines. I don't have a full-fledged mirror of Debian, but I use a program called apt-cacher, cacher, and there's another one called apt-proxy. But apt-cacher, what it will do is you, you edit your sources.list file to uh, point to your server where you've got this program set up, and whenever you download packages, the server will sort of step in the middle, sort of almost act as a middleman, and it will catch, and it will uh, keep copies of all packages that you download. And you do this same configuration tweak to all of your machines on your network, and that way when another machine requests a package, if it's on the local server, it will get it there first. And if it's not, of course, it will download it off the Internet. And the advantage there, I think, is that it's much smaller, of course, and you're not mirroring the full distribution. You're just keeping copies of stuff you've downloaded, essentially, and you've made it available to other machines on the network, so it's much quicker to install. Uh, the downside, of course, is you know you can't really manipulate the repository because you don't have a full repository. But uh, I've done that, and I've got it set up on my Debian machines. I use apt-cacher, and it works really well. It's very cool, very simple to set up. And uh, there's lots of how-tos out there on how to do it. Apt proxy, like I said, is another one. And there's you know ways to do this with other distributions, as I mentioned, like Fedora or Mandriva. There's lots of ways to do that same kind of thing. So that's, that's another idea. And uh, another idea is to set up some sort of either IRC server. Of course, that's got real downsides. I'm not a big IRC person, although now that we have the Linux Reality IRC channel, I, I will probably play around in IRC a lot more. Uh, so some people set up their own IRC servers. I know like the Linux Link Tech Show guys have their own IRC server. That, you know, from what I understand, can be, you know, hard to manage just from a security standpoint because IRCs can be, um, you know, I mean, they're that's where, you know, lots of, you know, uh, DOS bots hang out and all that kind of stuff. So there's some issues with security there. But another idea, and this is what I've actually got set up, um, is to set up, I call it an IRC connection server. And it's not really a server, but there's a, there's a program out there called BIP, B-I-P. And uh, what it will do is you basically, you set it up on a machine on your network, on a server somewhere. And once you get the configuration file set up, it will, the, your BIP server will make all of your IRC connections to however many IRC servers and channels you want. Then from your clients, from different machines on your LAN, you connect to your local server. And all of your connections that are established will be there automatically. So you can sort of maintain your connections you know, over many months without you know, disconnecting and reconnecting. And you can also access it from multiple clients at the same time using the same IRC NIC. Uh, I have historically, when I've done IRC, I've always done it within a screen session. Uh, using GNU Screen, which is an application I've talked about, because that way I can maintain my connection. I can, you know, detach from my screen session, go to work, SSH back into my box, or uh, or something, and then reconnect or whatever. I mean, I've that's the way I've always done it. And you can still use Screen. I st still would want to use Screen, but using this BIP server is really cool. And it, because you know, again, this server is maintaining your connections. And the neatest thing about it is you can then access it from multiple clients using the same NIC and you're kind of, you know, you can be, be connecting using the same nickname, IRC nickname at the same time for multiple clients. So that's a, that's another idea, which is, that's seems to be pretty easy to configure. There's a, there's a nice how to out there on, on how to set up IRC with, um, with BIP and screen and IRSSI, which is a text console based IRC client. That's the one I tend to use, uh, that it goes through all of this and it, and it, you know, works really well. Pretty cool. 
Uh, and then a couple other things I want to mention here, not so much server ideas, but just talk about server distributions or sort of uh, specialized distributions. Uh, there's two server distributions that I'm aware of. There's probably more. And what these are, it's a, it's a Linux distribution that you would install on a machine, and it makes it much easier to configure a whole bunch of different kinds of servers. The one I'm most familiar with is one called Clark Connect, and I've used it in the past. I haven't used it in many years, but... Uh, it's a, it's based, it used to be based on Red Hat, and now it's based on CentOS, I think. But you install this distribution on a spare machine, and with Clark Connect, you can easily set up a web server, an email server, content filter server, firewall, you know, or a file print server. There's lots of different, you know, uh, plugins or modules, if you will, and you can then set it up, and, it's, and you know, the theory is it's, it's much easier to configure any of those services that you need using something like Clark Connect. Another one I think is called SME. I've never tried it. And it seems to be more of a router slash email server. And it seems to be a little bit more oriented to the enterprise. I think Clark Connect is as well, but there's free versions like for the community, you know. Uh, but SME and Clark Connect are two sort of server distributions that make setting up different kinds of services uh, pretty easy. And then there's a lot of firewall distributions. And this is not really so much a server, really, but it's a... You know, I thought it was sort of went went in with this same sort of discussion, and some of these are SmoothWall, uh, MonoWall, uh, PFSense. MonoWall and PFSense are both based on FreeBSD. MonoWall I think uses IPF, I think is which is sort of the FreeSP, uh, FreeBSD um, firewall, and PFSense uses FreeBSD with the PF firewall, the packet filter firewall, which is from OpenBSD. There's also a Starro a security gateway. And if you listen to security now, you've heard them mention it. Again, it's sort of one of these firewall slash router type distributions. Uh, there's IPCOP. I've used IPCOP in the past. And then there's OnGuard secure server. So those are all kind of firewall slash router type, type servers. And uh, from what I understand, some of these you can also add more functionality. Like I think SmoothWall has the ability to add in you know, a VPN server and stuff. And I think PFSense does the same thing. It's, you know, the basic PFSense is sort of the firewall itself and the router. And you can add in other things on top of that, other modules or other plugins, if you will. Uh, So those are just, you know, some additional thoughts on home servers and some other ideas. And, you know, as I've mentioned, I'd love to get your feedback, your audio feedback on different servers you have set up at home or at the office using Linux. Uh, Please feel free to record something or call any of the hotlines with the two different voicemail numbers, or if you're a Gizmo client, you know, just use uh, Gizmo and look for Linux Reality and send me a voicemail that way. I'd love to get some additional audio feedback from people uh, on how they use servers. And I've gotten a couple so far, so I thought I'd go ahead and play them now before we get to the actual feedback. Hi, Chess. This is Bob from Goshen, Ohio. This is some audio feedback that you requested in episode 63 about how I use servers. I have had a home server set up for about a year now, running Zubuntu 6.06 LTS, and it's configured as a LAMP server. I use the server primarily for several websites, most of which are running Drupal, which is an open source content management system distributed under the GPL. Drupal takes advantage of the PHP and MySQL that I have on this server, and what I like most about it is that there are a huge number of modules that are easily added to a site to include specific functionality. For example, I happen to have a garage sale website that uses an event module and also a Google Maps module. 
So a user can enter details about a garage or yard sale event, enter the date, time, and location of where the sale is, and once it's posted, any visitor can just click on the location link and get directions to the garage sale, and then they know what date and time and location it's happening. One other site that I maintain on my server is a family history website. My mom really loves this one. My folks happen to live in the Chicago area, about 300 miles from me. I've been dabbling in our family genealogy for a long time, and now I've got this site with lots of family photos and documents that anybody in the family can enjoy no matter where they live. Thanks for listening. There's my feedback. Hello, Chess. This is Richard from Trinidad and Tobago, and I just thought I'd let you know how I use Linux at home for my home servers. Firstly, I use DNS Mask for DNS and DHCP. Works great, just as you said. I also have Samba on the server for Windows file sharing, but my Linux clients use SSH. I have a great application on this server called Torrent Flux, that is a torrent downloader. It is a PHP Apache MySQL application. Installation is very easy and it works very, very good. Now, because of that, my only machine that stays up 24-7 is my server. I don't have to keep my client machines up and running to just to download files. I also have backup PC for backups. This uh, uses SSH, TAR, and RSync, just as you said in your backup episode. And it can also backup Windows clients using Samba. Nothing needs to be installed on any clients, unlike Bacula, but it is, I would think, as robust as Bacula. Backups can be browsed over a web interface, so older versions of files can be downloaded, or you can initiate restores through the web interface. If anyone wants to try Backup PC, when they're reading through the documentation, early on it recommends to read through the config file. I would advise to skip that step. The config file is confusing. Keep going through the documentation. They have instructions on how to set up hosts a little later on, to set up some hosts, get some backups working, and then afterwards you can try to use the con to read the config file if you want. Chess, I must say I greatly enjoyed and I'm still enjoying the home backup series. Sorry, the home server series. I greatly enjoy your podcast and look forward to it every week. And I know that many people all around the world find your podcast very, very helpful. Keep up the great work, Chess. This is Richard from Trinidad signing off. Hello, Chess. This is Brother Red. I'm recording this on my next plaque, as I said before in my previous uh, audio comment to you. But um, I'm not. I, I need to uh, set up one of the Bash scripts um, to record uh, to download uh, my podcasts, regardless of the user that's logged in. Um, I'm most configured, or most probably going to use uh, KPotter. But regardless of the script, I definitely want to have uh, the the script in, installed as a service. Um, 
would I use Chrome, and how do I do it? Um, thank you, and have a great day. Love your, uh, love your show. Well, thanks, Brother Red. Um, yeah, I haven't used K-Potter, but I would imagine if it sounds like it's somewhat similar to Bash Potter, which is the Bash script that Link from the Linux Link Tech Show wrote. I've had a couple of user-contributed versions. Uh, one is up on the Bash Potter site. One is just up on my site because I'm still sort of testing it before I uh, send it to Link. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you could just use cron. I think if it's just a Bash script, whatever it is, you can just use cron and set up a little cron job to run the script. And if you need to create a wrapper script... Uh, which is what I, I mean, I would call, you know, basically you could create a short script, which in that calls your kpotter script and then does anything else you need it to do. Like, you know, send you an email or copy the contents to a, to a log file. That's what I do. I call that sort of a wrapper script, if you will. But either way, um, yeah, just a simple cron job I think would do. If you wanted to run regardless of the user that's logged in, I guess the only thing I can think of right off the top of my head is to have it run as root. I don't know what kind of security implications that would have. That's probably not the best idea. Uh, but if that's something that absolutely has to be the case, I guess that would be one way to do it. Another way to do it, obviously, is you could somehow set it up so uh, it's actually it is running as a service. Well, I don't know if that would actually work with Kpotter, if it's somewhat like Bashpotter, but I think the cron job is going to be the way to go, and you'll just have to think about whether or not you need to set it up as just one user, regular user, or uh, have it run as your root user. Uh, so hopefully that will help, and uh, thanks very much, Brother Red. Oh, uh, yeah, this is Herb Lyon in Tampa, Florida, and uh, you were looking for uh, a service which uh, you could use uh, for... Uh, voice over IP, and I, I'm i using uh, Skype, both in and out, and uh, I'm very satisfied with it, and they have the Skype out now, uh, which is like uh, 25 euros a year, not a month, and uh, Skype ends like $30 a year, and you get a new phone number. And if you can come up with a means of um, connecting uh, where you can record um, the the call, you know, using uh, one of the Linux, and I would be very interested in finding that uh, out of how you can uh, record what you hear. And uh, with the, the feedback, you can uh, you'll hear your voice and the, the uh, other end voice. So uh, if you can just figure out a way of going in and doing it, I use WaveLab Essentials um, for on uh, Linux or on uh, Windows, and that has that feature where you can go in and uh, record whatever you hear. So I could uh, record anything that I can play over a Windows machine with uh, uh, with this. Oh, well, I think that cut off there. (laughs) Sorry about that. I don't know what does. I think that that came in through the uh, gizmo thing, and I've had a few... Uh, calls come in through Gizmo that get cut off at the end. I don't know what it is about Gizmo. I need to continue testing with that. But uh, thank you for the feedback on Skype. I have you know played with Skype quite a bit, and uh, and I like Gizmo just because it 
from what I understand, it's using it sort of an open protocol, unlike uh, unlike Skype, uh, which is much more locked down. Uh, Skype may have some better you know technology in the back end to clean things up. That's what I understand, but. I think Gizmo seems to be working really well. If I can just figure out what the deal is with this, you know, cutting off here at the very end of voicemails, that that's not too good. Okay, and then I've got a few emails here. First one is from Jerome. Jerome says, hi, Chess. Just wanted to say a big thank you for the server series. It is fantastic. I particularly enjoyed the print slash file servers, uh, lamp, music, and backup episodes. Keep up the good work. From Jerome. Thanks, Jerome. Glad you're enjoying or have enjoyed that server series. Uh, next email here is from Matthew. Matthew says, I just thought I'd send a tip about using Unison. I, I do a lot of work on my work PC and a lot on my laptop. Unison enables me to synchronize work between the two PCs. It really, It is really good as it, is, as it allows two-way changes to be handled by asking the user which is the most advanced version and will display the diffs if needs be. Also, simple changes to documents are guessed by the program. It works by either using SSH to run Unison on the remote, on the remote machine and then starts the transfer, or it can be run as a daemon. Anyway, Chess, I hope that helps a lot. Thanks a lot for the show. I listen every week. Cheers, Matt from the UK. Uh, thanks very much, Matt. That's very cool. I've yeah, I had heard about Unison, and uh, I'm glad for the for the reminder there. I'm going to have to look into that because that does sound very very cool. Here's an email from Lowell. Lowell says, "Hi, Chess. In episode 62, a guy wrote in saying he used a TCIP camera to watch his." Foaling horses in Linux. We do the same thing. <laughs> the thing is, some of the horses aren't ours. Uh, so we had to put on uh, of the feeds on the internet so the owner could watch. It worked out great. The cameras we used came with built-in firmware, but it wouldn't run in Linux. So we put open-source firmware on them, and it worked flawlessly. I also have a question about music servers. Using DAP, like you suggested, is it possible for a client, Mac in my case, to put that music under their iPod? Or is the only way to accomplish that to share the files with Samba? Let, thanks for the great show. I listen every week. From Lowell. Well, Lowell, uh, as to the music server thing with DAP, there is way there is a way with MT-DAP to create uh, playlists, and uh, you can then with the playlists, of course, manage those playlists in iTunes. And I think the DAP will read iTunes created playlists, and of course, then with the playlist, you can sync with the iPod, and then the iPod will take the playlist and sync the music on onto the actual player. I'm pretty sure that works. I have not tried it. Uh, with uh, GNU MP3D, though, that is just a streaming server. It does not have a, have an easy way to um, put the music onto an iPod. Uh, you can download the music from the GNU MP3D server and and then you know uh, manually transfer the files over on the iPod. But uh, in the sense that I think you're asking, where you have sort of like a player and you have the server and you're just kind of clicking and, and you know moving stuff back and forth. I think with, with DAP, you can do that. Again, like I said, there are ways uh, to create uh, playlists with the MT-DAP uh, server, and I think those will sync with the iPod. So um, hopefully that will work. And I think there is information on their website. The wiki has some information on uh, uh, custom playlists I saw there. So uh, thanks very much, Lowell. And last email here for this week is from Texas Mike. Texas Mike says, Hello, Chess. I am one of the new members to Linux Reality, and I must say that your podcasts are without comparison. Thank you for all that you do. I have been investigating Linux for several years. I learned something new each day. I now have Ubuntu 7.04 and PC Linux OS 2007 loaded on two different computers, and I am partial to PC Linux OS slightly. I am forced to use Windows most of the time, but would rather go to Linux if possible, maybe someday. I am up to Podcast 42 and continue to listen at every chance to a newer one. Uh, if you get the chance, please take a look at Damn Small Linux as I have it running on a Pentium 400, and it is amazing in its speed and the varied packages it provides. Thanks again for your podcast and your hard work. It's great. From Texas Mike. 
Very good. Texas Mike, welcome. Glad that you found the podcast and you're enjoying it and catching up. There's a lot of good information back there and a lot of great stuff in the forums as well. So please do check out the forums and feel free to jump on over into the new IRC channel as well. As for Damn Small Linux, yep, I've played with it quite a bit, and I think I've mentioned it from time to time, but yeah, I haven't really focused on it, haven't really spent spent an episode on it, so uh, maybe that's something I need to do, but it is amazing, and that's very cool that you've got it running on a Pentium 400. That's that's a pretty old machine, and it's what a what a great way to save some old technology instead of just throwing it out. I mean, that's such a waste, you know, to throw out something like that, and yeah, it's old, and it's slow, and it's not going to run barrel and all that kind of stuff, but perfectly good and you can set it up as a server or uh whatever just a just a surf you know surf the web check email i mean a pentium 400 will be just fine for that uh so i'm glad to hear that uh damn small linux is working well for you all right that's going to do it for this week thanks so much everybody i think it's time to wrap it up Okay, well, that's going to do it for the home server series. We're going to move back to some other topics starting next week. I hope you enjoyed this little mini-series, and uh, I think everyone did. Uh, I know it was kind of long. Maybe some people, you know, felt it dragged down a little bit too long, So, but we're done with that. Uh, we're going to get back to some other good stuff very soon. So uh, thanks for listening, and thanks for all your voicemail and your email. Please keep, keep it coming, especially those of you who want to send in audio comments about how you use servers. I'd love to get those, as well as your recommendations or thoughts on people to interview, whether it's yourself or someone you know. You can send me an email to linuxreality at gmail.com. You can also use the Gizmo service and just look for my username, Linux Reality, and send me a voicemail that way. Or you can use the call-in number, the Gizmo call-in number, 1-202-552-1525. That'll uh, get the uh, one of the two voicemail numbers. Go to linuxreality.com slash contact for all the contact information. And again, please check out the new Linux Reality channel at... Uh, uh, hash Linux reality on irc.freedom.net and I do plan to pop in there from time to time so there's a good chance you'll see me at some point uh, over the next several weeks I think it'll be a lot of fun let's see if we can't build that thing up so thanks again everyone have a great week and a great weekend I hope you're all doing well and I'll catch you next time this has been episode 64 of Linux reality see you later bye bye